While your day is winding down, they're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day, from local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard, to listen, and where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. South Coast tonight. I'm Chris McCarthy. Of course, as always, Marcus Farrow is here as well. Tonight, we're joined by the Honorable Mayor of Attleboro, Paul Haru, who's running, of course, for sheriff. He's a Democrat nominee, successfully defeating two people in the primary. Um, he's here to take your calls. We're going to go right to the phones. Uh, 508-996-0500. Marcus? Good evening. You're live with the mayor. Hi. Good evening. Um... My question to the mayor is, in the past, you had voted into co- correctional facility budgets. And that one that it would affect is the Ash Street Jail in New Bedford. Do you still feel that this is necessary? And as it would fall in the city of New Bedford, it, they would be responsible for all their prisoners, which would um, affect their depleting resources already. Thank you for this question. I really appreciate this because you have been disinformed by Sheriff Hodgson. I did not cut funding if you know, for the Department of Correction. That's not what the vote was, and he knows it. What it was is the Republicans put this up... Is as, your time as a state rep? As a state rep. What okay. the Republicans did was they put up an amendment to the budget to add $5 million to uh, DOC funding. They wanted to add $5 million, but they didn't answer two questions. They didn't say how they were going to pay for that $5 million, and they didn't say what that money was going to be used on. They just put it up there. So I didn't vote... To cut five million, I voted against adding five million. There is a qualitative difference, and what the Republicans would often do at the state house is play games. And you know, in fairness, is what Democrats do down in uh, Alabama and Mississippi, where sure. they're the minority. So, the, what the game is is called spotting. They put up an amendment to something that you know they, they, the the um, majority party has to vote against because they have to act responsibly. And so what they do is they say, okay, I'm going to be facetious for a second, and I'm going to make something up. I'm just a totally made-up scenario. So the Republicans add an amendment to the budget to fund the cure for childhood cancer for $2 billion. All right, so now every Democrat looks at this and says, oh, my gosh, if I vote against that, I'm going to look terrible in my district because I'm voting against the cure for childhood cancer, you know, and funding it. But then they all know we don't have $2 billion. So they basically, the Republicans say, hey, you know, you, you can go ahead and vote against that. We know it's not going to pass, you know, but go ahead and we're going to all of us are going to look vote for it. So we look like heroes and you guys are going to vote against it. And, that, you know, in fairness, that's what the Democrats do down in Alabama and Mississippi, where they're the minority. But the fact is, Hodgson is disinforming you. Misinformation is accidental. Disinformation is intentional. I did not cut five million from the budget. I voted against adding five million because there was no way to they didn't explain how to pay for it and they didn't explain what it was going to go for so thank you for that i really appreciate that five zero eight nine nine six oh five hundred we got one line open right now good evening you're live with mayor harrow yes <clears throat> good evening gentlemen um <clears throat> mayor harrow i'd like to know uh what you are proposing to do to for the safety of our seniors 
Yeah, great question. Okay, so thanks for the call. Yeah, so there's a number of things that we can do. First of all, is to make sure that the programs uh, that we're offering in jail actually work, and that's something the sheriff is not doing. He has no idea if the anger management program is going to rehabilitate uh, people who are violent. He has no idea, and those people are coming back into the community. He has no idea if the uh, drug man, uh, the drug treatment programs actually work, and so I think that's a you know a, just awful that you know after 25 years he has no idea if he, if, if he was measuring these programs and they worked he'd really the data on that he doesn't have the data he doesn't measure them so that's the first thing um aside from that there's uh you know working you know to advocate for you know the uh basic like i did as a state representative to make it against the law for financial exploitation of senior citizens in massachusetts financial exploitation of senior citizens is not against the law it's different than fraud you know, but this is this is actually very frustrating. Uh, you know, uh, Quinn and I actually worked together. You know, when I was a state rep and he's the district attorney, uh, we worked together on advancing legislation. And unfortunately, the state house it didn't move. Um, you know, it's very frustrating. Like ninety percent of bills don't move up there. Um, so that you know, that's also you know really important. So this you know a lot of different things that you know the sheriff can do directly as a supervisor of the jail and then also in the capacity as an advocate. So there's, you know, any number of things that can be done. Um, I'm certainly open for ideas. You know, if you have concerns, you know, then um, again, if, if I can address it directly as the supervisor of a jail, as the, uh, you know, the CEO, as the sheriff, we can do that. Or you can use that bully pulpit as a politician, which the sheriff is. 508-996-0500 is how you can get in the program. Good evening. You're live with uh, Mayor Harrell. Good evening. You're live with Mayor Rowe. Hi there. Thank you for taking the call. So I just have a question. I've heard Mayor Hero, um mention that, um, you know, it's time for a change, that uh, the current sheriff has been in office for a long time, and it's time to, for a change. Now, I'm just wondering, and I mean, you know, I could be wrong, but I mean, in Massachusetts, we have a long history of long-serving sheriffs. One of those being um, Sheriff Ash out in Springfield. He was sheriff for like 40-something years. You know, the Boston Globe, when he retired, did a big um, piece and all of, you know, on him. And does this apply to somebody like Sheriff Ash as well, or is this just a political statement? No, I, I very... Thanks for the call. Sorry, sorry, Marcus. I very strongly believe in term limits uh, for executive capacities, mayor, governor, president, uh, sheriff, you know, anybody who's in an executive capacity, because the concentration of power in that one person over the course of time uh, can be very problematic. When I ran for mayor, I told the people of Attleboro that I will serve two, maybe three terms. And now I'm in my third and final term. And I've also pledged to serve no more than two terms as sheriff. I don't want to be sheriff for life. I don't want to be mayor for life. Uh, Hodgson definitely wants to be mayor for life. And I don't think that's healthy. You know, I think it's, it's definitely time for change. I've knocked on a lot of doors and a lot of other people feel that way as well. But, you know, that concentration of power, I think, is unhealthy when it's all in one person in an executive capacity. In a legislative capacity, I don't feel the same way. For city council, for state house, for the, you know, it's just you have uh, the the power is spread out among all of the different people. And I know a lot of people say, oh, we should have term limits definitely for folks in Congress. 
When you have term limits, then you destroy the institutional knowledge. And, you know, I think that could be a little bit problematic. And in fact, in California, we know that when California implemented term limits for its state legislature, that actually destroyed the institutional knowledge and opened up the way for lobbyists to have a lot greater influence. And that's been a big problem. But, um, yeah, I, I think I very strongly believe in term limits for executive capacity offices. Yeah, very, very strongly. So, um, Mayor, um, I want to give you a chance because off the air, um, you took you took umbrage with um, an ad that Tom Hodgins running right now that talks about your position on sex offenders, and um, you're pretty passionate about it, and I, I appreciate that. So I want to make sure I give you an opportunity to explain your side of that. Um, you have spoken out in favor against bans on sex offenders um, at, at a public library. I didn't speak out against the ban on. What are you talking about? At I the public library? Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. I think you're putting words in my mouth again. Again, is he yeah. talking about the? Well, the, I'll read you the article, and I, I, I thought, I thought it was was an established fact, but it said, um, that "Is you, everything you believe, everything you read, like uh, true?" Well, <laughs> so I mean, it's, well, he's clearly. He's are, talking, you, are you talking about the 2011 presentation? I yes, okay. that's what he's talking so about. So, so, yeah. so, what did you say then? So, I just asked people to watch my video. You know, I mean, watch the entire. Okay, but for the for the sake of the radio, people can't watch the video right now. So that presentation, very simply, the city council presented an ordinance. And a city, a Republican city council member named Bill Bergevine invited me to – actually, he and I met at Morin's. He said, hey, Paul, you know, you work for the Department of Correction. You were research director. And you've written several articles on keeping kids safe and sex offenders. So we met. We had a 90-minute conversation at Morin's. And he said, Paul, I think the uh, city council should hear what you were saying about this. And so I went to the council. And what the council was proposing is to ban level two and three sex offenders, or maybe just level three sex offenders, from going into places where kids would congregate. It was two and three. It was two and three. Okay, sure. Two and three. So, you know, I basically said, go ahead and pass it. It's not going to do anything. It, it's not, And I, I, w- I didn't speak for it or against it. I just basically said, this is not going to keep kids safe. And let me explain why. Sex offenders who target kids are, you know, typically pedophiles. And a pedophile over the course of time, develops a relationship with a kid, and they groom that kid, and they then violate that kid's trust and the, the family's trust. But So I said, so what you're doing is you're targeting, uh, you know, uh, like a, isn't going to actually address their behavior. And so here's what you can do. Then I went in to explain what we can and should do to keep kids safe. And so, but I need—I didn't speak for or against it. I just said that wasn't going to keep kids safe. It was just so, it was so like since you've characterized me as putting words in your mouth, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll describe to you from the article: the city council vice president Walter Thibodeau. He said the issue of molestation is personal. Mm-hmm. He asked you if you, if you were a sex offender or represented a prisoner. Prisoner Advocacy Group. That's one of the city councils who heard your testimony. And so certainly he feels like you were advocating on behalf of sex offenders. Okay. That's a weird question, right? Not really, because he has a really fragile ego. And so what I oh, did was right. like, no, he does. I know him. Okay. And he's got right. a very fragile ego. And I basically burst his bubble that this great idea they had was nothing more than a placebo pill. It wasn't going to keep kids safe. You know, there was, there was, it, it, it's, it, what, there was not, it wasn't designed to keep kids safe. It was a feel-good measure. They wanted to take some action, okay. but they didn't actually consult experts on it. And later, you know, it, it, like they passed it, okay, and that's fine, but we haven't actually kept any kids safe. And his point of when he actually started yelling at me, and later he apologized, and then later he also attended, uh, when I became a state representative about a year and a half later, he attended a forum I had on keeping kids safe, and he said, Paul, this is a really good forum. Um, but one of the, you know, when he was, you know, kind of barking at me and he said, if it keeps just one kid safe, it's worth it. To which I, 
you know, didn't as eloquently as I will right now explain, I said, you know, at the time I talked about statistics, but let me just say, if a program works, it's not going to keep just one kid safe. It's going to keep a lot of kids safe. That's what a program works. That ordinance that they passed, it's not keeping anyone safe. It's a feel-good measure. Um, if you want to really keep kids safe, parents have to have a conversation about good touch, bad touch. And we have to also train parents and educators on what the warning signs are for when kids are showing um, you know, that they are being abused. That's the, you know, and said that we can stop that. It's also, it's not taking for granted the people that we are trusting our kids with. So I didn't speak neither for or against that proposal. I said, look, you go ahead and pass it. I don't care. It's not going to keep kids safe, though. It's, there's nothing in it. You know, and I explained what would keep kids safe, and I explained how pedophiles worked. And I had identified myself as somebody who worked in jail and worked in prison. And, you know, and so I had an expertise in this. Um, and so, like I said, with fragile egos, you know, they were very upset that I kind of burst their bubble. And, you know, but later that same city councilor apologized in that same evening. And he also um, attended a, ca- a forum I held on keeping kids safe in January of 2020. I, I think we got a clear, I think we got a clear picture um, on your, on your take on that. And I want to get back to the phone. So sure. good evening. You're live with Mayor Harrell. Hi, Paul. This is uh, JT from Matterboro. Um, I just wanted to say that um, I just started following you, and I know you from Attleboro, and this is kind of one of the first times I've actually you know, listened to the radio station, and uh, I've been following you for maybe about a few months now, and all the things that you've been doing for the community and everything is, is just great, and I just want to say that I'm a really good supporter of you running for uh, for sheriff because I was there when Hodgson came in, and uh, changed everything all around. And I'll tell you, man, it went from, you know, it's bad enough that we're in there doing our time, missing our loved ones, our children, our family and everything. Then they started taking away our TVs, our radios, the things that keep us occupied and our mind busy. And um, and you're talking about reform. And I'm all for this, the whole reform thing because we need more educational programs inside these uh, correctional facilities. The only thing that I think we had going for us was basically uh, um, school and age rack, <laughs> and you know, and whenever we worked in the kitchen for good time. But if we had more like people in there uh, trying to teach and educate people about, you know, maybe do some electrical classes, some carpentry classes, some bookkeeping, I, some basic life skills. Listen, I, I, pre- I appreciate your perspective. Um, do you? Have- have a question for the mayor um i'm sorry i i guess i really don't i just wanted to say that you know i'm i love you mayor I, i'm proud of you but grab what you're doing and i appreciate everything that you're doing for our community and i'm forward to the whole reform thing man keep up the good work buddy all right thanks for the call thank you 508-996-0500 good evening you're live so i'm concerned about what i've heard around Hodgson and um, how much the sheriff's office is wasting money on things like driver position. It's just a driver for him personally, um, a chief of staff positions that just don't exist at other county sheriff's office of this size. Um, vehicles that he has. Is, is, there a que- is, is, there, is there a question for Mayor Harrell? Sorry, I, I have yeah. to cut down the preambles. I've got a lot of I've got a lot of callers. My question is, what would you do differently to cut down on the spending that is being, the money that's being wasted from taxpayers? Thank you very much for the call. Appreciate it. Okay, so thank you for that. There's a number of things that 
are going on that are kind of that are wasteful. Um, I run a city that has 500 employees under me, and um, you know, and that's not including the school department. We actually had a small conversation in the de- uh, yeah. it commercials about how the budget is under me. You know, responsibility for the budget, but not operational, you know, control. So, but basically, I don't have a driver. I don't have a chief of staff. I don't have a. Um, a public relations person. I am all three of those with what I do. And I run an organization that's $165 million, which is larger than the sheriff's organization, the Bristol County Sheriff's Organization jail. And um, I have just about almost as many as employees. I would expect that when elected, a lot of people are going to leave. And, you know, a lot of the senior people who are just loyal to Hodgson, they just don't want to work for me. I would expect that to happen. Um, that frees up money to, uh, you know, put towards things like uh, better and more like drug rehabilitation programming or, or anger management programming, which I've heard over and over again that really isn't going on there to any serious degree. So the budgets reflect priorities. And I, I say this all the time. We can afford anything but we can't afford everything. And what we spend our money on is a reflection of our priorities. And so, you know, one of the things I did when I became mayor is I didn't just come in and just start cutting things and start changing things. I took the time to learn the organization, you know, because I come in with a mandate from the people, which is a a general direction that we should take the organization, whether it's a city or in this case, a sheriff's office, you know, a county jail system. Um, But you basically have to learn why things are the way they are and then work in the mandate that you've come in elected by. So you don't just go in and start changing things right away. And, um, but like I said, budgets reflect priorities um you know there I've, I've heard there's a lot of chiefs there a lot of patronage positions and i'm not just making that up i think the boston globe said it was you know the third worst organization in government in the state for patronage positions they said that a number of years ago um so you know like i said a lot of folks are probably just going to leave and that'll free up money so uh we've Wait, so you're counting on people leaving when you get elected? No, no. Yeah, okay. I am. Yeah. No, I am. I mean, because, I mean, it's like, you know, as funny as that might sound, but there are some people who I know are not going to want to work for me because they're just loyal to Hodgson. And then that's an opportunity through natural attrition to look at, you know, the whether or not that position is actually necessary. Another possibility that we can do, another thing we can explore is just reallocating the budget and resources. So I don't just say to people, hey, we're just going to cut your position. Um, you're out of a job. Sorry. We say, okay, we're restructuring. And you're going to have a job over here for you, but your position is now terminated. There's no longer a chief of staff position. I'm just making that up because I don't have a chief of staff running a city. Um, And so then that frees up money to reallocate. And if that person wants to participate in some type of other activity that's a higher priority, then then that's fine. Otherwise, you know, we, you know... um, yeah, I, I think I've said. I've said yeah, that. so yeah. we're actually going to take a break because we got full phone lines. We got a commercial break. If you're on the line waiting patiently, we appreciate it. Continue to wait patiently, and you'll talk to Mayor Harrell after this break. Yes. Hey, we got a we got full phone lines five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. Good evening. You're live with Mayor Harrell. I wanted to see if the mayor could clarify. I know you guys already went over the uh, child sexual abuse, you know, situation. But it was left that he said there are pro, you know, programs that can help train parents to help their children avoid good touch, bad touch. I want to know, even though I realize, yes, oftentimes it is somebody who's groomed a child, had access to a child, and it's not always a random, you know, stranger danger. I want to know still if he believes 
there should not be put restrict you know restrictions put on level two and three sex offenders in places where children you know come together in a community be- I'd like we, to all, know right. That. all right we, we got the question okay so First of all, it doesn't this is going to sound kind of crazy? It doesn't really matter what I believe because the state Supreme Judicial Court has already come back and said that putting those restrictions on is unconstitutional. And, you know, I'm not defending that. I'm not supporting it. I'm just saying it is what it is, the state Supreme Judicial Court. You also don't have any control over it as sheriff. Yeah, you don't have any control over that as sheriff anyway. But aside from that, one of the things that I'm looking at now with our school department is we're going to start looking at facial uh, scanning recognition. So it can scan people who are known to be on the uh, sex offender registry because around a school that is... You know, I believe that is permissible, and I'd love to put that in a school if it is permissible. You know, I want to operate within the law. Um, you know, but as far as somebody going into the library or a park uh, where kids might congregate, the the, Supreme, the state Supreme Judicial Court has already ruled on that, and they said it's it's actually not constitutional. Um, you know, I, I do think that the Sex Offender Registry Board, the SORB, should be reformed because actually the Sex Offender Registry Board uses about 25 different vi- variables to determine if somebody's level 1, 2, or 3. And as crazy as this is going to sound, you can actually have somebody who's a pedophile and be registered as a level 1 sex offender. Actually, you don't even register as a level 1. You just you categorize as that. So that... T- to me that somebody can be clinically diagnosed as a pedophile and not be like a level two or a level three and actually be listed as a level one says to me that the SORB, the Sex Offender Registry Board, needs to be reformed to make it a little bit stronger and better. Um, so, you know, what my opponent is doing is he's basically trying to use fear and he's fear mongering to say, oh my gosh, Paul is, you know, it's going to be soft. That's, it, it, I take a very... Uh, professional approach to it. I work within the law and I advocate for what works and thinks there are some things that people can say, we should do this, but that's not going to do anything. You know, so what I recommend people do is look at what the national center for missing and exploited children recommends to how to keep on how to keep kids safe, use their guidance or check with new hope, which is located up in Northern Bristol County. And it might be down here in Southern part as well. They also work with that, but it's, um, you know, it's not something that we should, use emotion to guide our decisions emotion should deter like you know help us be aware that this is a real serious problem but then we have to use really strong like effective solutions not just reactionary solutions good evening you're live with mayor hero hey how's it going gentlemen good um quick question so um i uh i believe it was one of the debates the debates and that's why i'm calling in now where uh, mayor hero had uh discussed how he would basically kind of fire everybody per se and kind of no, you know I didn't say that. well not but you just elaborated on it no, basically that's... how you would eliminate positions or people would quit and so on and so forth as someone who works in public service i think that's a slap in the face because it's like you're talking about people who are you know, putting their lives in danger every single day. Okay. Well, do, you, do, you, do, you, do you have a question so, for yeah, the mayor? So, so can you elaborate on that? Like, why? Yeah, how are you going to build morale among people who work under you? You're talking about being a leader, but that's kind of like not leadership qualities if you're just going to make 
people who have worked there 20 something years of their lives and given okay. up. All right, we, like, all right. So, well, we, first of all, we, we got it. You, Thank you. Appreciate a, the call. I think you're confusing what George McNeil and um, what I said in the debate. George McNeil talked about um, getting rid of, and actually Nick Bernier, I believe, talked about it as well. But I'm, I'm, I remember it more clearly with George. Um, they talked about, you know, uh, just cutting positions and getting rid of positions. I very clearly, just a few moments ago, said um, that I'm not going to get rid of any employee. Every employee will continue to have a job if they want a job. What we might do is restructure some positions. Not, you know, I mean, obviously, correctional officer is not something that we restructure. But there are some positions, if they're just, uh, you know, management level position that is, you know, like uh, overseeing another manager who's overseeing a couple other managers, and that happens in a lot of organizations. Um, that's the sort of thing where we can restructure and repurpose the uh, employees to do other more meaningful tasks. Um, you know, that's something that you know, I've had a lot of employees who are current employees come to me over the last several months and talk to me. They also went to George and they went to Nick and, you know, we we're all hearing the same things. Um, you know, I have to take, admittedly, though, I have to take that with a grain of salt. Are those employees disgruntled employees? Were they passed over for a promotion? Were they actually um, you know, reprimanded by a uh, manager or supervisor recently? So even though people are coming to me and telling me all these horror stories about what's going on inside the jail, and I, I, I listen to those and I appreciate the those, I also, as you know, an experienced manager myself, as mayor for the last five years, I also understand that you know, there's sometimes another side to the story. Um, but no, I'm not, anybody who is currently working there when I get there, they will continue to have a job under me. Um, some people might choose to leave on their own, and that's fine. But like I said, restructuring of priorities and creating new positions and terminating old ones. And if somebody doesn't want to take one of the new positions, that's fine. But they will have you know, uh, like a leg up on other people because we, I, I value that institutional knowledge. Good evening. You're live with Mayor Harrell. Good evening, gentlemen. Mayor Harrell. Um, spent a lot of time on the sheriff's tie, and you've been demanding an apology for that. <clears throat> I'd like to know if, based on a video that I watched of you in front of that city council, where you said that sex offenders weren't going to be hiding behind bookshelves and jump out and assault a child. That happened in New Bedford. We had a child raped by a sex offender that was hiding behind a bookshelf. So I'm wondering if you would apologize to that now young adult for giving bad information because it does happen and or would you apologize to the family or the police officer that investigated that case right so the statement I, I didn't say it doesn't happen i said it doesn't typically happen okay that and i was aware of the case that happened here in new bedford and that's part of the reason that the Admiral city council wanted to put this uh ban forward that was a high profile example of you know a, a sex offender reoffending when they're in in society but a high-profile example of something happening is high-profile because it's unlikely. You know that that's that's the, the definition of why something becomes high-profile. It because it doesn't ha if something happens all the time, then you know it, it's you know it that's usually you know uh, something that people have become accustomed to. You know regardless of what the issue is. Now, so I think that you know that. You know what happened to that uh, that young you know child when I mean, that happened was now a young adult was just awful, and you know and the the child safety ordinance that the city council in Attleboro was proposing wouldn't have kept that uh, that um, that child safe because the Supreme Judicial Court has already ruled 
that it is not constitutional. So it, it actually can't be enforced. So we have to look beyond what is emotional and what's visceral and actually look at what works to be effective. Because people's lives are on the line. People's, the quality of their life is on the line. Even if they don't lose their life, the quality of the life and how it could be destroyed and disrupted for, you know, for, you know, years to come. And, you know, that, so that's why we have to actually put, you know, the emotion brings us a sense of urgency. But we have to actually use what works and in, in what you know, and, and put that emotion off to the side, and to really be effective. I know it might sound kind of sterile to talk about it in this way, but I want to make sure that what we do is going to deliver results. And you know, that's why you know I'm asking people to you know look at it objectively. The, uh, the again, the emotion brings it to our attention. It rises the importance of the issue, but we shouldn't make decisions based on that emotion. Good evening. You're live with Mayor Harrell. Good evening, gentlemen. Uh, Mayor, I'd like to ask you a question about the grants. You said that um, you don't accept all the grants. Um, well, um, there was a grant that was um, given to Hodgkins for the jail, and I asked him personally over BSM um, what what he did with the money, and I wasn't too happy with uh, the answer. Um, and I also got the papers in right in in my hand got sent to me. So do you, and, do, you, do, you uh, have a, do you have a question for Mayor Yeah, my, my, I'm going to that. The question is, is there a way that you can siphon the money from the grants, you know, in other words, you know, do things with that money that's not supposed to be done, like put it in your campaign fund and different other things. I wasn't happy with the results, and I'm looking forward to you right. hey, becoming the new mayor. The, the new sheriff, you mean? Yeah. All right. Sorry. Um, is there any way you can embezzle public funds? I guess is the question. I don't know. You know, uh, I, I can't speak for what. I happens. love the caller. Sorry, I just yeah. don't understand the question. I, I think I understand the question. It's the misuse of it's taking grant money and then misusing it um, somewhere where it wasn't intended. So that we get a grant for. I don't know, um, painting walls. But then we take that money for the grant for paint. I'm just making something up. We take that money for the grant for painting walls and we replace uh, ceiling tiles. You know, so we misuse that money. And so that's just, you know, so as, as mayor of Attleboro, I can tell you it's literally impossible for me to misuse uh, like or misappropriate money because we have an independent auditor who reports to the city council, not me. And, you know, there's... There's, I actually never have a chance to even touch money or to issue checks or to write checks or to, you know, spend. I, I'll sign a contract, but the contract is approved. So that's at the city level. I, I don't know what the process is in uh, the county jail system here. Um, I've heard a lot of stories. Um, you know, there's there's a number of ex- uh, news articles that have been out where, you know, there's money that was supposed to be re- uh, returned or it was supposed to be. Well, you, Marcus, you look like you actually know what I'm talking I, about. I, I think. Uh, I, I I'm not sure. I kind of I kind of want to ask another question besides um, county like finance. I, I don't. Is there is there something? Did you have no something? no no? Go ahead and answer the question for him. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know what Help you're. Help him out. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean no. I don't know what you're talking about. 
I just I don't know either. I, I'm just I don't know what the caller was talking. I don't about. know. What the, I don't know. I, I think I, I got what the caller was. I, I just it's the misappropriation listen, I just, of money. But I, I get it. I just yeah. want to move on because I don't. I, I don't think it's productive for either yeah, your campaign. Of, well, it's or a Hudson. lot of speculation with that. We, I can tell. I can only talk about what I do as mayor, and there's no opportunity for me to do as mayor. But as a, in the sheriff's office, I don't know sure. the structure of the Ma- mayor. Hero, I actually there's some calls on the line, and just hold on. I do want to ask a question because I want the opportunity to ask this question, and I don't know if I will. Um, so I talked to Sheriff Hodgson uh, last Wednesday. We talked about recidivism, which is the rate in which basically people reoffend and will end up back in prison. Uh, I cited the DOC report that you con- that you, you you cite a lot in your campaign, saying Bristol County has the highest rate of recidivism, which means the mo- the highest rate of people basically going out from his jails and reoffending. Which- going, it's actually going out from the prison system, not the jails. Sure. Okay. Going out from the prison systems and, and, and reoffending. He says that that's not an accurate representation of how effective his programs are because um, it's not Bristol County, uh, how, uh, the B- Bristol County correction system. It's actually just people who have an address in Bristol County. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also said that there's no way to track whether uh, how effective county jails are in uh, you know or is it no? There's no way to track re- recidivism rates for county jails. Is that true? No, it's not true because I actually did it when I was working in Philadelphia. I looked at 235,000 admissions and releases over the course of a seven-year period of time. And, you know, like in Essex County here in Massachusetts is actually doing their own recidivism reports. So we we can and should measure what our rate of reoffending is, recidivism. So so Essex County, is is that the only county that's doing their own recidivism reports, or or is is, is everybody else derelict in the Commonwealth except for Essex County and measuring recidivism in their jail? I don't know what the other 11 counties are doing. Um, The other jail, not counties, the other jail systems are doing, but I know Bristol County is not, and I know Essex County is, but I don't actually know about the others. Um, So we can and should do that. You know, I, I was a statistician. I was chief statistician in the Philadelphia jail. I was director of research in the Mass DOC. It will happen under me. We'll do it uh, fairly quickly. Um, you can actually look at, you know, how many people are going out using the BOP, how many come, people are coming back in. Um, BOP is board of probation. Um, so yeah. It, yeah, you know that for the yeah. purpose of the listener. Um, but, you know, the DOC looks at what the rate of recidivism is for people going out of the Department of Correction and then coming back into the Department of Correction. And it's all the same system. You know, we just have to do it at the state level. But I wouldn't stop just looking at the rate of recidivism for the county jail. We also need to look at what our what programs work. That's a lot more technical. The it, it, if I can go, kind of go like full nerd for a second, you know, it's uh, you know, looking at the rate of recidivism at the county jail is a descriptive statistic. Looking at whether or not a program works is an analytical statistic. We have to apply a formula. So there's a slight difference there, but that's where I have a skill set, and the current sheriff doesn't. Okay. Um, so five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred is how you can get on the program. Did you have something yeah, you wanted I, I to just, say? You said it a couple of times though. You you were a statistician in the jail. Mm-hmm. I, I, so you weren't really in the administration of the jail. You more supplied information to the run the jail. I yeah, I worked with the administration. I was an administrator, like administration. Like, did I run the jail? No, I run a yeah. city. You know, and um, but I worked in jail and I worked in prison. That's more corrections experience than Hodgen had when he became sheriff. Um, when he was appointed, I also have a lot more management experience than him. Higher level of elected experience as a mayor and a state representative. So, I mean, if if you're 
wondering, like, I mean, he didn't really have any corrections experience before he became sheriff. And, um, you know, but I actually, I did. I worked directly for the commissioner. I was special assistant to the commissioner for security and population analysis. I was not, as the sheriff likes to say. You weren't Dwight Schrute? I don't know who Blake Schrute is. You, you watch The Office? You never watch The Office? No, I don't, Come on, I don't man. Come on, Come on, man. Oh, all right. So, oh, I, so um, <laughs> no, I don't have much time. My brain only has so much bandwidth, and I can't spend it watching TV. Um, but the... Um, <laughs> hear that, folks? <laughs> you you idiots watch TV. He doesn't. <laughs> no, that's not what I said. I said my brain only has so much bandwidth. It's I know limited bandwidth. It's actually the opposite of saying that. Um, that's not true. You're but a smart guy. The, um, yeah, so the, you know, what the heck were you saying? The, the, so so he, yeah. he was saying that the sheriff's been saying that you're basically, you were basically an administrative, administrative assistant. Yeah, that's just, okay, so he is. You didn't min- really get your training at Starbucks. That's not true, right? No, my training at Starbucks. Meaning no. that you weren't fetching coffees. No. That's the no, question. No, I was, I was. I produced one of the largest recidivism I'm gonna teach reports you jokes. ever. I'm going to teach you jokes. <laughs> well, you will once you make funny ones. <laughs> there you go. See, See, now you got it. You that go. was good. All right, hey, that was uh, good. So, that, no, I that's mean, Harvard I, Lampoons right there. Yeah, no, I, I, um, no I, was, I was a statistician and a chief criminologist at the Philadelphia jail system, and I was director of research and planning at the Mass Department of Correction. And I worked directly. I was in the senior level management meetings with the commissioner and his uh, deputy super. Uh, deputy commissioners he had four of them and actually three of them plus one who was you know but then also with all of the wardens we didn't call them superintendents there we called them wardens in philadelphia and in massachusetts i was a mid-level manager i had 14 people 13 or 14 depending on you know what month it was uh working under me but they're all research staff um you know there was you know so um but the mid-level manager was i running a, a prison no was i um you know emptying trash bar- barrels or you know uh, no i was you know i was a mid-level you know and yeah. so um but that is again it's more corrections experience than Hodgson had when he took over and I also worked as a consultant with a lot of different jails and prisons. So um uh none of the callers brought this up and I know you guys are on the line waiting patiently uh and I appreciate it but you're going to have to wait a, few, a couple more minutes cuz I want to ask about the suicide that happened on Ash Street. Now uh you cited this I brought it up to the sheriff um the the high rate of suicides uh in the county jails um you know, he acknowledges that the, that high rate, uh, that number exists, but he says, you know, basically to his critics, they have to tell me what uh, exactly we're not doing, and they won't be able to because we're doing everything. In your opinion, is Sheriff Hodgson doing everything to prevent suicides? What more could Sheriff Hodgson do to present, prevent suicides at the at his facilities? Two things that I talked about earlier in the program. Number one is change the culture so it gets away from being a culture of hopelessness as inmates to that when I am locked up. Uh, the uh, jail system here is actually trying to set me up for success, not just, oh, if you don't like it here, don't come back. So it's really focusing on discharge planning to give people a, a chance to get back on their feet. A lot of people who are in jail, you know, we talk about giving people a second chance. A lot of those folks never had a first chance. And, you know, a lot of people are just in there, you know, they, they, they participate in the revolving door. And so we have to, um, you know, set them up with discharge planning, not just let them out at the local mall and say, good luck. So that's the part of it. The other part of that is also making sure that we are addressing their mental health needs, their substance abuse needs, um, you know, the, the, you know, their addictions, I shouldn't call it needs, excuse me, substance abuse addiction. Um, you know, that way when people go back into society, they have a chance. Otherwise, when they're locked up, they have that sense of hopelessness. So that's one aspect. The other element is when you have somebody who is SMI, seriously 
the mentally ill, and they've indicated that they are going to be a harm to themselves, um, they should be on an eyeball watch, which is a 24-hour watch where somebody it's not 15-minute intervals. Well, you know. so he said that the they, he got uh, the the guy that 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 committed suicide in Ash Street was actually cleared for police custody, so he wasn't he didn't have that label. Do you think that sh- that should have happened anyway? Uh, I haven't looked at the case, but I mean it's clear that not enough happened because we had another suicide. And you know, like you know, it, it, it's you know when I, I don't know the details well enough of that case. I haven't looked at the file, but sure. we have another suicide. And I'd also like to point out though that you know he took a swipe at me and said I acted opportunistically when, when a tragedy like this happened. I didn't. I, I didn't do a press release. I, I thought about, you know, whether or not I should do a press release, and I said, no, I don't want to appear to be acting opportunistically. I never reached out to the press. The press reached out to you me. You responded to a request I, for comment. I would respond to the request, but I never actually was trying to capitalize on that tragedy. And uh, he accused me of doing that, so once again, he was wrong. All right, hey, we got to take a break. If you're on the line, stay in the line. You can talk to Mayor Hurrow after the break. 1420 WBS. Good evening. You're live with Mayor Hurrow. Uh, is this me, guys? Yep. Yes. Okay, uh, yeah, good evening. Uh, Mayor, uh, you made mention uh, kind of in passing uh, kind of a vague uh, uh, referral of a Globe article talked about patronage, uh, particularly at the um, Bristol County Jail. My question is this. It's it's kind of two-part. First, uh, tell us about um, how you were fiscally responsible and saved some money as mayor. Because just for as a basis, all right. Do you, two, two, two part, two part question. No preamble. Right, two part, part question. question. First one is tell tell us what you did fiscally to save money as a mayor, and then as sheriff, if you save some money, will you return that to the state legislature at the end of the fiscal year? Thanks, Thanks. for the call. Okay. So the difference between uh, saving money and not spending money, um, first of all, but the um, is as mayor. Okay, we have had five balanced budgets um, with no layoffs. We have uh, basically more than doubled the city's stabilization. Uh, we bas- we have seven million dollars in city stabilization. When I took over as mayor, it was two point nine million. So it took one hundred and fourteen years for the city to develop a two point nine million dollar stabilization, which is a savings account. And in about four years, four and a half years, I brought that to seven million dollars. Um, we built a. $260 million high school on time and slightly under budget. Uh, I haven't lost a single lawsuit as mayor, you know, so I haven't lost, you know, the, we haven't had any payouts or anything of the sort. Um, you know, we, I haven't lost a single ULP, unfair labor practice. And those are two things that the current sheriff cannot claim. He has lost lawsuits and he has lost ULPs, which are very costly. Um, you know, so the, you know, we switched over all of the city lights to be LED lights, which is saving a lot of money on electricity. Um, you know, there's, I mean, gosh, there's a lot of different things that, you know, I mean, I could keep going on, but I mean, I hope you get the point. Though. I mean, this, we get the point. Yeah, there's a lot of things that we've done, you know, that, you know, I mean, you, you yeah. cited some good examples. So the second question, I guess, are you going to return money to the state legislature, which I'm going to guess. No, no, that's yeah. Because no, yeah. like, who would do that? You better not. John Saunders will be mad at you. No, I mean, no exactly. I mean, yeah. if I mean, if you're not, budgets reflect priorities, and I want to reallocate a lot of the money that is not being efficiently spent on you know whatever. I mean, I hear stories, but I. I don't. By the way, that was a member of the legislature who asked that question. 
Was it? No, I was going to say. Um, <laughs> that's funny. That was, right? that was funny. Okay. Um, so, uh, you know, but basically, now, now I'm working to one, one, one Haru approved the joke. Yeah. 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 Um, right. No, but we, basically, anything left over, you know, we shouldn't have a leftover. We should be diverting that towards uh, treatment services or better salaries for correctional officers. You know, um, you know, hiring more correctional officers. So we shouldn't be left over with anything. All right, got to take a, one more break. Thanks for waiting patiently. 